What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome to the season premiere of season five of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I am your host, the Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the Nerdy South, Tyler Mack, and joined by my co-host, the podfather of 30 and Nerdy. The juice is loose. He's the master of nerdimonies. He is Dr. Davis. What's up, Doc? Hey, man. Season five. Holy oh. hell. Can you believe it? I can't, We're, man. We started this thing at right at the cusp of 30 years old. Mm-hmm. We are creeping into our mid-30s here. Mm-hmm. Still kicking, still going strong. It's unbelievable. I'm I, so proud of us. I am, too. I, I went back and listened to our very first episode the other day. Oh. And... Um, first off, we've come a long way. And second Mm. off, um, it was during the intros, I would say 30 and nerdy and you would interject and say 29, 29. Yeah. (laughs) You you constantly reminded me that you weren't 30 yet. So yeah, we've come a long way here. We are, you know, about to turn 34 within the next year. Mm. I know. And in all honesty, it really does feel like yesterday I was telling, um, I was at auditions last night for uh, Peter and the Starcatcher for Encore the- Theatrical. And I was uh, talking with Kelly, our friend Kelly Sexton, and we were talking about the Batman. And uh, I said, you know, it's funny. In 2019, when we started this show, it was just a rumor mm-hmm. that Pattinson was going to be the next Batman. I was like, that was just speculation and rumor at that time. And I told her, I said, I went on a whole five minute rant in one of our first episodes about how I was completely against this casting. And I hope the rumor is not true. And she said, well, what do you think about it now? I said, I've never been more happy to be wrong in my life because I didn't know that we needed that, that we needed a Nirvana dark Robert Pattinson Batman. And, it, uh, and so, and that's when it hit me. I was like, God, that was like episode two or three of 30 and nerdy. Definitely early. And we're about to start season five. It's, it's currently October 1st, our favorite month of the year. Absolutely. It's the, and despite what the song Andy Williams says at Christmas time, this is the most wonderful time of the year. 1000%. You've got Halloween, you've got the leaves changing, you've got it getting a little cooler, you've got horror movies, you've got Tennessee football. I mean, yeah. it's just the Go best Vols. time of the year. Go yes. Falls is right. Um, and and it's just been a wild ride, man. It's been great. We've, you know, season four brought a lot of awesome opportunities. We got to do right. fanboy, some of the people we got to talk to and the people we met throughout season four was just immaculate. And Season five is going to be no different. I mean, we keep growing and these opportunities keep coming towards us. And we, and we are very better. fortunate. Yeah. And, and and a lot of it has to do with the people listening to us right now. We're very thankful. And we love you for it. Absolutely. We are. We're so thankful. And I, the thing that I love the most about this show that we do is that, one, it's just what you and I normally would talk about, you know, mm-hmm. with a, without a camera, without a microphone, whatever, mm-hmm. this is just our conversations pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but that this is like what it's like when you're 30 something years old 
and you've got a life and you've got a job and you've got a family and you've got weddings to plan and you've got lessons to plan and whatever the case may be. And you're trying to keep up in this Mm -hmm. world that when we were 19 and 20 years old, man, we knew everything there was to know. We were up on everything. We had all the time in the world to watch all the wrestling, all the shows, all Mm -hmm. the movies. And here we are kind of just like clawing our way through everything at our own pace. And I feel, I feel like that's so relatable for, for people at our stage of life. And that's what I love about what we do. So we welcome you. If you are new Mm -hmm. to us, if you have been around, we thank you for coming back and we love you. Whether it's your first time or your 30th time listening to us, we love you. We appreciate you and welcome. Absolutely. And if you want to learn more about 30 Nerdy Podcast, uh, I'm not going to go into a big spiel, but the easiest way is go to 30andnerdypodcast.com. You'll find everything you need to know how to uh, check out friends of the podcast, previous episodes, nerd vocabulary words, all of our social media. All of that fun stuff is at 30andnerdypodcast.com, a.k.a. the Fortress of Nerditude. So we're, we're starting season five and we've got an amazing conversation happening down the road. We are going to be uh, sitting down with our friends, some of our first friends in the podcast world and an old time friend of ours in the real yeah. world, yeah. Uh, David Horton and Tim Smith of Johnny Has the Keys podcast. And this is this is a topic we have been wanting to discuss for a while now. The yeah. fifth element. Yeah. A very guilty pleasure sci-fi movie, action sci-fi, <laughs> fantastic movie. Um, obviously, the you know, so many critics hated it and people, but it, there's just something about it. And I can't definitely, wait to talk that. With definitely a, a cult classic. Yes. Yes. Um, I actually saw just moments ago, uh, there was an article someone posted on social media about, okay, I'm going to come out and say it. Hocus Pocus is a bad movie. And I was like, whoa, whoa, hold up. And I read the comments. It's like, it's a cult classic. It's one of the, it's like Rocky horror picture show. Like, yeah. does it really, you know, is it one of those things that stands out as like an award-winning motion picture? Like what? No, but it's fun. Right. Yeah. And it has this huge following and it's just fun is, is all that really matters to me. Right. Do you enjoy watching it? Yes. Yes. And the fifth element is no different. Mm-hmm. You're the second person that I've heard refer to it as a guilty pleasure movie. Guilty pleasure. David, David Horton being the first. Mm-hmm. I don't consider it a guilty pleasure. I do not at all hide my love for the fifth <laughs> element. I love the fifth <laughs> element. And so I, this is one I've been pushing for a long time. Mm-hmm. We never got around to it. I'm glad that we're finally there. And I'm very excited about our conversation upcoming. Me with, too. Uh, and with the veteran nerds of uh, yes. Johnny Has the Keys. Season five, episode one, The Fifth Element. Why that I why I really wanted to push for this to be our season five premiere is because Juice, this is our 150th episode. Wow. 150 wow. episodes of 30 Nerdy Podcast, 12,000 plus downloads, three and a half years, five seasons. I know three and a half years, three and a half years. Jeez. And I've got some statistics here before we get to our conversation with the Johnny has the keys guys. I have found our top 10 most listened to episodes from episode one to now. Okay. And I'm going to go in descending from 10 to one. All right. I'm excited. 10 June of 2019 nerd of the rings one. 
<laughs> okay. Our discussion on Fellowship of the Ring. All right. Up next from February of 2020, Decade of the War Games. Oh, yeah. That's one of my personal yeah. favorites. That was a yeah. good one. Yeah. April 1st of 2020, Mischief Managed, where we talked about the Jokers of the Nerdiverse. Okay. Including the Weasleys and Loki and all that. Yeah. Uh, September of 2020, there was a big crossover, Crisis of the Infinite Nerdiverse. That was our one of our crossovers with ODPH, Three Fat Nerds, East Coast yeah. Avengers. Yeah. Uh, February of 2022, Dreamcast Marauders. I remember. Yeah. I that was a good one. one. That was a good one. May of 2020, Matrix Reloaded. Okay. April of 2021, The End of the Road with Claire Crowder. That's famous TikToker, Claire Crowder, big Supernatural episode. These top three. Number three, Evil Dead with David Horton. October of 2021. Yeah. Matrix Revolutions, May of 2020. And blowing up is September of 2022, our episode with Vixen Valiant, TikTok Serana. Is our yeah. number one most listened to episode already. Wow. That happened fast. Yeah. I mean, she wow. has got a following, my friend. Well, and now that it's October, she's going to be starting those uh, 31 you know, days of Halloween content. Yeah. So, so definitely check her out. Following Valiant Fox on TikTok, look her up. It is amazing content. Go back and listen. It's also our most watched YouTube video is our our interview with vixen valiant so great vixen uh i've already seen some of the first your first day of content it's fantastic i I can't wait to see what you bring us in october uh so top three months that the most traffic was seen at 30 and nerdy podcasts july of 2020 february of 2020 and september of 2020 all pandemic era uh People were sitting around listening to podcasts and having nowhere to go. So it was it was a good time for podcasts, even though Thank it was a terrible you, time. Thank you, coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. uh, top three podcast listen demographics. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Males, 61%. And women, yeah. 39%. Okay. Men, 25 to 34 is our top demographic. And our other two top demographics are women, 25 to 34, and 18 to 24. The ladies take two of the demographics? Yes, the, top the ladies take two of the demographics. Oh, all right. It's, you go, it's girls. The, uh, it's, the, it's the velvet voices of oh, the Duke obviously. and the Doc. Obviously. I mean, yeah, of course. And Hello. <laughs> our top three <laughs> social media demographics, male, 37.90% and a whopping 62.10% go to women of our on our social media demographics. Ladies, ladies, listen. We are hey, we love you. We're happily taken, you know. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, we um, we appreciate you all so much. Our our top 3 social media activities come from women 25 to 34, women 18 to 24, and men 25 to 34. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Wow. But statistically speaking, in the social media world, women are more active on social media. Really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Based on the uh, 
<laughs> comments I've been reading on uh, certain new releases uh, mm-hmm. of, of certain from certain franchises, mm-hmm. we'll say. Uh, I've seen a lot of male yeah. activity, a lot of male, male comments. So yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's interesting, and that's. Good I would to hear. say that uh, in the grand scheme of the fandom menace, I would say toxic masculinity takes up the top percentage. I would bet Ugh. of the fandom menace. I would Guys. say a lot of it is is male toxicity. Boys, come on, get a life, Grow get up. yourself together. Come on, just enjoy things. Just yeah, just and and let and if you don't enjoy it, let other people enjoy it if they if they, if they like it. Okay. That's, My that's, goodness. A, that's the other thing about the the toxic not just masculinity but the fandom menace in general is that these people if they don't enjoy something have to take time out of their day when they could be working paying bills taking care of their family stuff like that or finding something else to or watch finding something else like. to watch yes um to get in comments on social media and berate people who do like this thing i'm gonna say this right now i think that the laugh emoji the laugh reaction uh on facebook is the worst thing ever invented it fills me with such rage for that sarcastic little laugh reaction to be used i hate it i absolutely hate it and i look at the comments where you know it's full of the the negative you know this is terrible this is garbage this is blah 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 and then someone sticks up for it. Oh, well, I actually liked it. I think it's great. Whatever. And it's just. And then someone the- laughs at them. <laughs> it's oh. so condescending. Yeah. It's- get out of here. Get alive, people. It's okay. You know what? I'll say it. I like She-Hulk. Yeah. I like I, it. That's okay. Send your hate tweets to at NerdyJD1. I'll take it. I don't care. I'm tough enough to handle it. <laughs> I'm man enough to admit that I like the She-Hulk. Absolutely. I enjoy it. It's something we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. I love different things. It's different. It's new. I love different. It's refreshing. I mean, we're different. We live in a world of, we, we celebrate differences and sure. different people. So when something yeah. new or different comes along, before we berate it, we can have issues with something and still like it. Sure. That's the thing. So, sorry that, that we're so open-minded. Fandom Menace. All right, Fandom Menace. You want to go on a lightsaber duel? You lose in episode one. So (laughs) so suck it. (laughs) You've been cordially invited to suck it. (laughs) So, dude, I mean, season five, I'm so stoked. We've got a great October planned starting with this episode, and uh, we're going to get to that interview in a little bit but let's talk about some other things we're going to be doing this season we've got so many things that are turning 30 this year yeah oh yeah x-men the animated series is turning 30 mortal Kombat's turning 30 all those things so many things that we loved in the 90s -hmm. are turning 30 this year yeah and 40 we've got so many 30 and 40 year old birthdays and anniversaries to celebrate within the nerdiverse uh, we're going to do some great stuff um, with some live things. Uh, we're, we've got, we're going to Cusacon in Rome, Georgia. Um, thanks to our, our dear friend Eli at Cubster Cosplay Photography. Love you, uh, Eli. Love you, Eli. Um, yeah. we've, we've been invited to uh, Comic-Con in Chattanooga. 
to to be a a, a panel. <laughs> a panel <laughs> isn't that crazy <laughs> I mean, that's, to be I a panel i can't believe that <laughs> i can't like, either i've been a part of so many panels like on the audience side and like asking oh, the yeah. questions and enjoying the conversation and like you and i are going to be the ones like up there we are mm-hmm. the panel like we are the panel what? we, we are what? going to be hosting a panel about nerding in the 90s which and- by the way another great episode of 30 and nerdy mm-hmm. check that out in our archives i thoroughly enjoyed that one i did too i enjoyed doing the we enjoyed doing the notes and the digging on it and the reminiscing and let's just, be real i mean uh, nostalgia is important and nostalgia sells and all that mm-hmm. stuff but the 90s is really where it's at it really is man obviously we're biased but what really yeah. can hold up to the 90s not a lot i would say no I'd, I'd put the 90s against about anything when it comes yeah. to like nerd culture and stuff. Absolutely. Especially just in the grand scheme of pop culture um, yeah. outside of the nerdiverse. You had movies like Mrs. Doubtfire and Twister and, and A Time to Kill and Tombstone and Braveheart and all of these amazing movies that just impacted in the 90s. The heyday uh, of Nickelodeon. We had the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. We had the, you know, the Batman, the animated series, the animated show, Spider-Man, X-Men, oh. all of that stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it really is a great generation. And the movie that we are discussing uh, in tonight's 1997 movie. So yet again, mm-hmm. a 90s mm-hmm. classic. Uh, and we are going to get to that uh, conversation with Johnny has the keys after a word from our sponsors. They're creepy, kooky, mysterious, and spooky. And they're coming to Encore Theatrical Company this October. The Adams Family, a comical feast that embraces the wackiness in every family, features an original story, and it's every father's nightmare. Wednesday Adams, the ultimate princess of darkness, has grown up and fallen in love with a sweet, smart young man from a respectable family, a man her parents have never met. And if that wasn't upsetting enough, Wednesday confides in her father and begs him not to tell her mother. Now, Gomez Adams must do something he's never done before. Keep his secret from his beloved wife, Morticia. Everything will change for the whole family on the fateful night they host a dinner for Wednesday's normal boyfriend and his parents. The Adams Family, the next installment in Encore's Young Star series, runs October 7th through the 16th at Encore's new home at Oak Tree Plaza, 1570 Buffalo Trail in Morristown, Tennessee. For tickets to this show or season tickets for the remainder of this season, go to etcplays.org or call 423-813-8331. Encore Theatrical Company believes in the power of the arts, and if you come check out what Encore has to offer, we're certain you will too, because it's not just theater, it's Encore. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Established in the summer of 2015, Tennessee Legend Distillery is more than just another moonshine stop in the Smoky Mountains. From our multi-award winning silky smooth salted caramel whiskey to our king snake two-year-old bourbon whiskey, our local favorite vodka, and even our legendary line of cream liqueurs, there is something for everyone. Focusing on a small town vibe, our family and friend owned and operated business has kept us grounded to the heritage of the volunteer state with our fun, courteous, and smiling staff. 
Come in for free tastings and leave with your spirit of choice, whether it be Richard's Damn Good Gin or the legendary Hammershine. You can find us on social media by searching Tennessee Legend Distillery, where you can see behind-the-scenes features, new deals, and our always fan-favorite Thirsty Thursday cocktail recipes. Now, we do have two locations here in Sevierville, one on Highway 66, one on Newport Highway. We also have locations in Cookville and Nashville. If you do visit our Sevierville location located at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway, tell them the guys at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. You'll receive a free shot glass and 15% off your purchase. What are you waiting for? Come be a legend at Tennessee Legend Distillery. Cheers to you, nerds. 30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoGuroParleyHour.com where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and Parlay Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. You can't start the car. Johnny has the keys. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes, and we are with our dear friends, Johnny Has the Keys, Tim and David. Gentlemen, how are you? We're good. I'm good. How about you, David? I'm good, Tim. How are you? Josh, Tyler, how are you guys? Great. Good. Before we start, I just have to mention how much I appreciate the fact that uh, Tim came dressed for the occasion. He dressed appropriately. You know, (laughs) you guys... You know, not so much, uh, but the uh, Mickey, Mickey Mouse, Mouse shirt, I am in full support of that. Appreciate you, Tim. Duck Ducks, Disney. <laughs> well, you're quite welcome. It's everyday wear for uh-huh. me. <laughs> and that's what I appreciate about you. That's what he appreciates about you. <laughs> so, Johnny Has the Keys, a podcast that I've been listening to since you all, since your inception, since you started, and David was uh, very key on getting us started. Uh, all the intricate details like pod hosting side he's he's really who 
who got the ball rolling and all the little details for us. Uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast. It's where horror and sci-fi shapes your lives, right? Mm. I'll, I'll let the writer tell that story. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could read our little quote somewhere if I could find it. Um, yeah, well, basically, we're, we're a horror and science fiction podcast. David's sort of a science fiction aficionado. I'm a horror guru. And uh, we alternate. We usually do a horror and sci-fi every other week. Uh, 40 weeks a year. Uh, the key, the Johnny has the keys. We lifted that as a, that's a line out of Night of the Living Dead. It's a very funny line. It's not intended to be, but it's always made me laugh ever since I saw it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, how could we turn that into a metaphor? And keys are kind of a metaphor for key elements of a movie that lift them mm -hmm. a little bit above the average as far as not always great, but definitely memorable. And key elements are things that were either influenced by or go on to influence other elements in other horror films. So we, we find connections, I guess you would say, between the movies we watch and other horror movies and science fiction movies. Yeah, it's interesting because both of, uh, I, I think both of our podcasts came out very similar. I mean, very, very close to each other, kind of in timing and everything. And, um, it's been really neat to follow you guys as well, and you know the the the, the nerdonomics that have gone into it uh, and everything. Uh, there's sometimes when we're jealous of stuff that you're covering, uh, yeah. and probably vice versa for us. Like hocus pocus. Uh, but <laughs> <you know. laughs> oh, Disney, Disney, why Disney? Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, we've we've really enjoyed it, and it, it's been. What, what I've felt recently is there's kind of been a new kind of second or third life or resurgence in podcasts lately. I think Murders mm -hmm. in the Building kind of helped a little bit with that. Um, but it's been interesting to see people, you know, we're kind of increasing in viewers and followers, which is great. And we mm -hmm. all love that for each other. But, you know, it's that all boats rise sort of mentality. So, yeah, more podcasts, the more better, you know, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. In the past year, maybe year and a half, we've really i mean we i feel like for for what it is we've done pretty well since the beginning but the connections that we've made and and the interviews and the opportunities that we've been able to mm -hmm. have over the past year and a half it's really just shot through the roof yeah so uh i'm i totally agree with what you're saying and when we were at fanboy interviewing uh shimmerman mm -hmm. i was like god david oh love yeah to talk to this guy, Armin Shimmerman, and he was he was yeah. he was hyping his books, right? He has novels. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's a three-part uh, grand story. <clears throat> yeah, we've talked about con, going to cons. We've talked about getting together for a live watch uh, because that seems to be a thing that, especially, a lot of movie and entertainment podcasters are doing now. Are doing the live watch sort of commentary track, you know? So. We'll see what happens. We we have one in the works, and you're going to laugh. It was Josh's <laughs> idea. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be called The Just, Redemption of Batman and Robin? Question mark. Oh, the George Clooney one? Question mark yeah. is key there. Not the Joel Schumacher one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, see, there, there is no redemption for that. I mean, you know. That's, well, that's why, that's why there's a question mark, David. Just go with it. The comedy's subtle there. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you've got to work nipples in there somewhere. Bat yeah. nipples will definitely be a topic. Yeah. <laughs> bat nipples should be like you ring a bell every time somebody mentions bat nipples or you think about it's it. It's the Ding, hockey team nipples. from hell. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to try to dive into that. but uh, It didn't hurt Clooney's career. No, it didn't. I think no. it would, but it True. didn't. Valid. Uh, so, what do y'all, uh, what's, what's, What's being listened to at Johnny Has the Keys right now? What's airing? I know you all record on a different schedule than we do. Yes. Uh, yeah, just we. Uh, I think currently, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but sometime in the late September, October range, uh, just finished doing A Boy and His Dog, kind of a, uh, a bizarre 60s, mm-hmm. uh, early 70s um, um, science fiction film. Um, and... Did the Innocence, which I had never seen. That's and a was, 60s, early 60s film. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that was really, it, I, I really enjoyed The Innocence. If you like good horror movies, good ghost story, good scare, uh, it's great for October. Yeah, we're doing a, we're doing a bunch of, of fun uh, films in October. All, all, all even, our, even our sci-fi in October is, is horror. It's horror. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we're excited. And, uh, yeah. I've listened to almost every one of your episodes, but I still can't get over the the whole stint that you all did with The Haunting of Hill House. It's still some of my <laughs> favorite stuff. I know it was probably very difficult stuff for you all to do because... Oh, we were so glad when it was up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's just... Ten episodes yeah. is a lot. <laughs> it is. It is to devote to one topic. Yeah, we basically did an, each episode of Haunting of Hill House, but it was Flanagan, so we liked it. It was great mm-hmm. horror, and you know, I, I've I've told Tim before. I said, you know, we should have done that with Midnight Mass because Midnight Mass is a great mm-hmm. series as well. So, you it's, know. it's it's really good horror series. Yeah, have you guys ever have you guys ever done or thought about doing anything with the Twilight Zone? The new one? No, the original. I mean, it could easily become um, like a Patreon show. For oh us. yeah, we've we've done we're doing the original Star Trek right now, and we're also doing X Files. Yeah. So we're kind of bouncing back and forth between seasons of those. But I mean, it sound that to me sounds like something we would do as like a Patreon. Yeah. Thing. I show uh, Beauty is in the Eye of the Beholder in my theater class when I'm teaching like structure of drama. Yes. And it, when it comes to the part where they're taking the wrappings off of her face, I pause it, and I'm and they all look. Oh, what? I want to see what happens. Well, okay, how do you feel right now? This is the climax, right? And so that's a good teachable moment. Yeah. So uh, yeah. every time I watch it, I think about you guys because it's so like right up your alley. That is so. Yeah. That is a great yeah. episode too. That's really a good one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I show uh, the one about the thing about machines, where all the machines come to life and they torment the guy. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorites okay. as well. Well, I mean, Twilight Zone had some of my favorite writers. Richard Matheson is right up there, like one of my A number one writers. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they also had like Robert Block and Theodore Sturgeon and Harlan Ellison. I mean, they had a lot of really good and Rod writers. Serling. And Rod Serling. Yep. yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a good one. I believe my favorite was probably the monsters are doing Maple yep. Street. It's, it's oh, just yeah, the societal classic. deep dive you can do the into mob that. Mentality. And like, I mean, you know, we see it 
transpire in, in real world news all mm-hmm. the time, just how society kind of breaks down and, and turns on one another. And I think that's why it's my favorite, because the scariest thing is people who are scared. Well, there is a there is a licensed uh, theatrical show for Twilight Zone, and that is one of the episodes, that is one of the stories. It's three stories, and that is one of the ones. Is to yeah. serve man one? No, but it would be a good one. That's, that's so <laughs> or, classic. Or what is the one with Agnes Moorhead where she has where she's like a giant? <laughs> oh, the, not Xanti Misfits. It's the other one. It's the one where she, there's no dialogue in it though. It's right. all silent, you know, because she's yeah. a mute. Uh, but that's what made it really cool. Yeah, we talked about when Tim and I go, when you know Tim does his, oh, it's been three weeks, I have to watch Walking Dead again. Um, we, Tomorrow. We, <laughs> we talk about how the zombies are not what's scary about Walking Dead. It's the humans. Yes. Yeah. It's, the, it's the people that you have to look out for because they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, do, they'll do the horrible things. When I was a fan of the show, when I was following it, you know, as it was going, I, and I would talk to people about it, I would say, it's not the show about zombies. It's set in a zombie apocalypse, but it's a show about people reacting yep. to the zombies. Well, I mean, you wouldn't give a shit if they got killed if you didn't like them. Right. So you need to like them. <laughs> and you're not going to like them if it's poorly written. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Always. Or relate to them. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you could also not like them and really like it when they get killed. So. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Like the governor. <laughs> well, and 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 we've been we've been talking to Johnny too about maybe delving a little bit more into fantasy. So you know, fantasies. I recently watched Sandman. Really liked it. Uh, I thought oh, it would be good. interesting. Yeah. We uh, we talked about you know, uh, Lord of the Rings has the new Netflix series. You know, kind of thing. Maybe we. Maybe we do it as a full thing or whatever, you know. So because fantasy kind of falls not in either of our buckets, but it's still there. But it pulls from each. It pulls from sci-fi. Yeah, I mean, you guys are lucky because nerds like you. You guys, you guys watch wrestling. I mean, and that's kind of you know. So there's all kinds of nerd possibilities out there. Whereas Tim goes, Tim goes, David. For the past yeah, three I, weeks, I, all you've talked about is horror movies. Are we going to do a science fiction or what? You know, I go, well, <laughs> horror movies are all coming out. There's no good science fiction out. Right well, now. I, I, I want to, there's a lot of movies that aren't technically horror that I would like to do. There's movies that aren't technically science fiction that he'd like to do. And I'm like, well, yeah. I'll give you Lady Hawk if you give me Play Misty for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> Neither really fit in horror or sci-fi, but they're really yeah. close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I know that there's a... a Apparently a Blade Runner series in the works. I saw that. Yeah, so I did see that. When that's so we'll however see. far down the pipe that comes, you know. Well, how, and Alien, Alien is. is coming. That's you know, coming. As a, yeah, uh, they're yeah. filming that. That's coming next year. Mm-hmm. Although I did hear recently that they just axed uh, because of the whole Paramount thing. They just axed the new Star Trek. So. Even though really? it was announced, uh, it was announced at Comic Con. They have now said no. The, you're talking yeah. about the movie with the yeah. reboot cast. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And Chris Pine and Quinto, uh, Zach Quinto and all that. Yeah. So that'll wow. be sad. Yeah. I just heard that recently. Yeah. So. Hmm. So were you, were you a fan of the movies? <laughs> <laughs> the first one had some good elements to it. The hmm. second one uh, I called into, dank, I called into dankness. <laughs> 
at because all. it was just such badly written, uh, even with the you know impeccable Benedict Cumberbatch in it. It still was terrible, and the third one was even worse. And I was going, really? We just the third one wasn't memorable at all. Nothing about. Well, no, that. the third one was like they did an elevated television episode that wasn't even yeah, a really good television episode. episode. Um, and again, but mostly, and I'll, I'll just say this and, and we'll stop. And uh, yeah, but we'll, it's we'll be because they have they have gotten away the same way Discovery and even to an extent Picard have gotten away from what Star Trek was, which is optimism, mm-hmm. not. Not a totalitarian military leader who is slowly taking over Starfleet and empowering the dark, you know, and we've got to have this racial battle and all. It's like, that was, those were concepts that were in Star Trek, of course, but it was always, we can get to the other side. Yeah. And these movies don't do that. These movies always have a dystopian kind of darkness to them. Plus the fact that in Discovery, she has to cry every freaking episode. But that's just—I just can't. I mean, I haven't seen them, but it sounds to me like they're taking things from the original that were peripheral, yes, and concentrating them on story. And it's like, wait a minute—that should be a given. It shouldn't be an oh, yeah. issue. Yeah. Well, and there was just this underlying thing, you know. Roddenberry said repeatedly, and Gene Kuhn and all of them said repeatedly that it was we see mankind going to the stars and doing mm-hmm. this and going out and being better. You know, Kirk says several times, it's not that, you know, we are perfect. We are imperfect trying to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's the attempt that is that optimism that was Star Trek. And they aren't optimistic at all in Discovery, especially. So He uh, did like the other one, though, didn't you? The episodic one. Oh, Strange New Worlds is good. Yeah. Now that's good Star yeah. Trek. Uh, is that yes. the animated one? No, no, no. It's episodic. No, like it's the, the one part. with uh, where they follow uh, the early Enterprise with Christopher Pike. Oh, uh, okay. And it's very well done, very well produced. It's for one thing, it's episodic, so there is no season-long arc that you have to watch every freaking episode, and it's all going to change and mutate and do it. It's back to tell a story that has a beginning, middle, and end. Be mm-hmm. done. Go on to the next story. Um, it great cast, good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I don't care a lot for the production design but parts of it i really like you know so but it's a great it's the best star trek series since probably enterprise definitely yeah well i am a patreon subscriber and the dilithium series that you all do has has gotten me through because uh i don't think we oh we've ever talked about this i've I've never really delved into the the classics uh you know when i was a kid it was oh next it gen. was next gen, so I yep. never went back and delved into the classic Star Trek. So it's really made me respect it more and learn a lot. So I, I'm happy that y'all are doing that for me on Patreon at least. It's, it's yeah. taught me a lot. Yeah, uh, it it was. I mean, it was a no brainer for us when we first did a Patreon show to do that because yeah. we both love that series so much and it's interesting tyler some podcasts that i listen to they're they're more gen z gen millennial you know that kind of thing and they'll they'll be talking about like uh um something from discovery or uh one of the new animated series that are out or they'll talk about even deep space nine 
and they'll suddenly make all this reference and I'm like thinking to myself that's that was in original series original that entire yeah. thing was in original and they'll say but I haven't watched the the Shatner one I don't want to watch that I'm mm-hmm. like oh yeah well yeah need to go yeah. back to the back to the roots back to the, the roots you get off my lawn science science <laughs> fiction is it's know, epic. yes yeah <laughs> sorry I cannot do Shatner so we are extremely excited to have you all. We are talking about something you tackled in your second season uh, and one that we have probably since our second season said we really should should tackle this movie because uh, we both really enjoy it and it's it's up our alley with the, the fantasy and the sci-fi and the the just the cast alone. Uh, is The cast alone sometimes drives why we tackle some movies in depth. It's just if it's mm-hmm. a great cast. Mm-hmm. Um so we're talking the filth element. Yes, that li- the little science fiction movie. Uh, the Fifth Element was released on May 9th in the year of our Lord nineteen and ninety seven. It was written <laughs> by Luc Besson, a uh, French director, uh, and Robert Mark Kamen, I believe is how you say his name. Uh, and it was directed by Luc Besson, uh, who has directed one of, in my opinion, the worst movies ever made, Lucy. Thoughts on Lucy? Anybody? David hates it. I yeah. absolutely yeah. hated it. I thought it was yeah. just, <laughs> just terrible. Uh, it had a budget of about a estimated ninety-three million dollars, which in today's world is chump change <laughs> compared to some of the movies made today. Uh, it grossed a worldwide box office uh, sum of about two hundred and sixty-three million dollars, uh, nearing two hundred and sixty-four, which again does not hold up to what we see today, but at that time, mm-hmm. pretty impressive. And it had a runtime of two hours and six minutes. So it was considered a financial mm-hmm. success. Stars, uh, a- big time action star of, of the 90s, Bruce Willis, uh, a young uh, Mila Jovovich, the iconic Gary Oldman, who has gone on record <laughs> as saying he can't, hates he it. absolutely hates it. He just <laughs> yeah. can't stand it. Uh, he really did it as a favor uh, to yep. the director. But he's he one did. of the best parts of the movie, I would argue. Uh, we've got Ian Holm as well and Chris Tucker, one of my favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! Come on, <laughs> Produced by uh, Galmont and Pinewood Studios. It was filmed in London, the Convent Garden, Bow Street, and the Royal Opera House. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, so basically this movie uh, in the 23rd century the universe is threatened by evil uh, the only hope for mankind is the fifth element who comes to earth every 5,000 years to protect the humans with four stones of the four elements fire, water, earth, and air Amanda Sean spacecraft is bringing the fifth element back to earth but is destroyed by an evil Mangalores However, a team of scientists use the DNA of the remains in the fifth element to rebuild the perfect being named Lilu. She escapes from the laboratory and stumbles upon the taxi driver and former elite commando Major Corbin Dallas that helps her to escape from the police. Lilu tells him she must find Father Vito Cornelius to accomplish, to accomplish her mission. Meanwhile, the evil uses the greedy and cruel Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg and a team of mercenary Mangalores to retrieve the stones. But the skilled Corbin Dallas has fallen in love with Lilu and decides to help her to retrieve the stones. It's up to Corbin, Lilu, and friends to save the world from evil. 
Tim, we'll go with you first. What are some of your first memories of seeing this movie? Um, I did not see this movie in a theater. Um, I rented it, and it was probably on videotape if it mm -hmm. was in the 90s. So, yeah. Yeah, the first time I saw it was on video. Um, the first time I saw it, I was like, what the f*** is this? I don't get it. <laughs> but I have now seen it three times, and I have come to appreciate it more. Uh, <laughs> I I saw it on videotape, too. I did not see it in the theater. Um, and I think it, that may have been just a jaundiced reaction of, like, Bruce Willis in sci-fi? I don't know. That's that moonlighting guy. I don't know. Uh, oh, no, he had done 12 Monkeys. Though. Yeah, but I didn't see 12 Monkeys in the theater either. So so I, th I think I saw it on videotape, and I've seen it probably a dozen or more times since, and it is a guilty pleasure of mine. If it is on when I'm walking through the living room or I'm go you know, going through the channels, I will watch the entire movie. My son, Rocky, mm -hmm. adores it. He and I alone have probably watched it together like five times. Um, it's just, okay, uh, I, I, I want to ask something, David. Yeah. You refer to it as a guilty pleasure. Why yeah. do you feel so guilty about it? Uh, because it makes no logical sense in a lot of places. <laughs> it is a it is a terrible plotted story in places, but I just can't stop watching it. It's it's yeah. it's it's so well designed, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. It has a, a definitely a French aesthetic to it, yeah. so you have yes. to appreciate that to begin with. And but some of the performances, some of the the design elements, I just think are great, and I yeah. love it. It's just it makes you want to just. It's a popcorn movie. Check your check your you know check your uh, David get off my lawns at the door and just enjoy the movie kind of thing. Yeah. So I will say that this last time that I watched it, um, it reminded me a lot of like a Jim Henson movie, mm. like Lab Dark Crystal, the Dark, Dark Crystal, Crystal or yeah. Something. And when I looked at it from that perspective, even though there's more humans than puppets in it, I I kind of got mm -hmm. it. I was like, yep. okay. You know, and it's almost I mean it's a little Star Warsy too yes. with all the creatures and, yep. and strange mm -hmm. things like that. Too. And and so. I guess uh, Josh, one of my big things I love about it is I think this is a great example of world building. Looking at it again for us to talk about it tonight, I thought, you know, it kind of reminds me of Fury Road because you're just thrown into this and they don't explain anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And yeah, you're just is. meant to accept the fact that you can just open up your window and a flying, you know, Asian restaurant will just float to your door and yeah. just mm -hmm. feed you right there. And, and you only have so many points left. Yeah. To yeah. And it, <laughs> on your just, license. Yeah. You just yeah, go. Yeah, on your license. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of a Luc Besson staple. It's very similar to, you know, we recently watched Valerian, which he came out with. And Ooh, yeah. uh, and it's the same way to me. I, it's yeah. not a good movie. I and mean, the chemistry between the two leads is horrible. But I could watch Terrible. it again right now. You watch it, I don't yeah. mind. It just looks cool. And it has mm -hmm. some cool stuff. Oh, that stuff sounds like it. Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the original yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's yeah. true, too. Terrible terrible cast but great movie <laughs> right yeah and, and uh, there, there are those movies you know where where you're you popcorn movies where you're just like this is mm -hmm. not and i say it all the time to to josh or both of us say it whenever we're defending something it's like this is not an oscar award-winning movie so you have to you're not watching it to see who wins the oscar it's not going to be even nominated but if you check that 
and just sit down and just enjoy it, you know, get your your soda, your popcorn, and, and just watch it just for a night of entertainment, you know, kind of like, that's kind of how I feel about Fast and the Furious. That's the first couple. It's, it's boom, Michael Bay explosion, energetic, high velocity, but I wouldn't write write about it in a blog. I wouldn't even think about it the next day. <laughs> well, and we cover so many different movies from different eras in on on Johnny that you know a lot of times we'll say, okay, you have to understand the era when this was made or mm-hmm. the time frame when it was and what that is. And you have to somehow Boy, put stopped. those blinders on and approach the movie that way too. Uh, mm-hmm. Because at the time frame, you know, at the time this was made, everybody was looking for that new Star Wars, that new yep. franchise, that new stuff. It's going to be different, and I think that's why they let Basson just, you know, have carte blanche, just do your thing, dude, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he took a lot of this from heavy metal and Mobius and and all of that design aesthetic. You know, so. I watched it uh, again this morning uh, to sort of refresh for our conversation, mm-hmm. and one thing that that stood out to me that had never crossed my mind before. I never thought about it for a moment was when, uh, Lilo's passed out on the couch at Ian Holmes apartment oh. or whatever. And Bruce Willis goes in and kisses her. Like while she's asleep, you couldn't do that today. Like there's no oh, way no. that would fly today. So it's like, that's how, you know, like consider the time period. And then also looking at all of the women in the movie, other than like a couple of the president's aides who were just sort of in the background, there's the one woman who comes in with the sort of dumb general with the, the mm-hmm. buns, you know, who is, like, very masculine. Other than that, all the women are, like, in the skimpy clothes, the flight attendants, and the McDonald's. Hey, McDonald's has really upped their game. And yeah, <laughs> right? That's what I was thinking. By the time this takes place. A couple uh, hundred years from now, that's the place to be, right? <laughs> yeah, it's but, happening. Um. Yeah, so, you know, when you were talking about considering the time that it was made, that was the first yeah. thing that came to mind was, like, you know, the, the gender components mm-hmm. of it. Well, you know, Tim and I, I think when we originally covered it, we even said at one point, you know, uh, there are those that would watch this movie for Bruce and those biceps and, you know, the, the Bruce, and there are people that watch it for Mila. And, mm-hmm. you know, a fact well, we that... We are those two people. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I, you know, you guys have gone to cons. I mean, you know, there are there will be at least one girl who got her white duct tape out, and there mm-hmm. she is, and now she's an orange wig, and she is, you know, Lilu, and I have no problem with that at all. You know, I, yeah. I walked past yeah. one at New York Comic Con, and Maddie was like, "What is she from?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's from the Fifth Element." <laughs> Hey, um, $10 costume and you're good yeah, to go exactly. to the con, baby. I mean, Get the orange wig and you're good to go. You all watch it for Bruce and Mila and Josh watches it for Chris Tucker. So it's, it's <laughs> really... <laughs> what does that say, Josh? What are you saying here? I don't, I don't know. know what he's saying. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Come on! All night long. My first time was, was, was a, a VHS. I was at my grandparents' house, and I watched it on VHS in, like, I think probably fifth or sixth grade, so, like, 99, uh-huh. 2000, something like that, until I saw it. And it was me and my older brother and my grandparents, and my grandfather was just like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, it's a, it's a sci-fi movie called The Fifth Element. Bruce Willis is in it. And he was like, this is stupid. And I'm like, I'm like dude, we 
you introduced me to the WWF. <laughs> yeah, but Ric Flair's hair doesn't look like Rick that. Was like, what the heck, man? I was like, how are you going to tell me sci-fi stupid? We watched choreographed men fighting and sweating with storylines. But, I mean, and, and it's, I stuck with it. I, I liked the characters. Um, I was actually, you know, afraid. It, it made me afraid as a kid that this, that evil was this big burning ball of fire in space that would try to, you know, envelop the world one day. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, it sold me. It sold me in all those sci-fi matters, you know, but fifth grade Tyler wasn't analytical. I mean, this was also the guy who watched Dragon Ball Z and fell in love with it. (laughs) So... So, Juice was. Do you have any memories of your first time? I saw it at a friend's birthday party, and I was just sort of the same reaction everyone has. What is going on here? You know, and I think that they had been watching it before I got there, so I actually only saw like the ending part where she shoots the laser out of her mouth and blows up mm-hmm. the the thing or whatever. But uh, you know, I was kind of like, all right, I like Star Wars. I might like this. And then, you know, going on in the future, I went back and watched it. And I've just, I've always enjoyed it. I, I don't mm. call it a guilty pleasure at all. I, I have no guilt. I have no shame. <laughs> I love the fifth element. It's, it's one of my favorites. It is. It, 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 is a, it is a good movie. And I think a lot of nerds, a lot of geeks, a lot of people who who like science fiction like this movie. And, and, and regardless of the plot holes in it, the stories that don't really hang together, the weird character motivations, you go, I'm here for the ride, and this is a cool world I want to live mm-hmm. in. I think what I also mm-hmm. appreciate it is the fact that knowing that it's a passion project for, uh, for Luke uh, Besson, like, mm-hmm. as this young kid growing up in the French countryside, there's nothing to do, there's nowhere to go. I come from that same sort of a environment. Like, you know, I grew up in practically the Shire of, of the United States. Like, everybody's sitting on their porch watching the cars go by. And here I'm this kid who... I'm this kid who loves Star Wars, and I love the Lord of the Rings and all this, and I'm just imagining all the th- places that I could go or the things that I could do. And, and I, you know, you just develop this imagination. So I appreciate that because I can relate to that part of it. And so, you know, like any stories that I would write as a kid, obviously there's going to be plot holes. It's not going to make sense, and most people aren't going to like it except for me. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that's sort of where a lot of that comes from. And for that reason alone... Um, well, not just that reason alone, but that's one of the biggest reasons I think that I can really appreciate that and overlook those little flaws. Well, David, he's from Maynardville. Uh-huh. Oh, not not where, even Maynardville. Sharps yeah, Chapel. Sharps Chapel in Union County. Basically where uh, Brad Pitt's character was from in Inglorious Bastards. There you go. He um, name drops my the town I went to high school in. Yeah. And so, look and look at how he went. He got to kill yeah. the Nazis. He Come on now. Nazis. He's a national so hero. So when he when Josh first took me for the first time to where to his childhood home and where he grew up and drove me around, I could only think like, wow, you really were the black sheep of your town, yeah. weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> to this day. Yeah. You're um, lucky so you, you lived through that, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. mentioned uh plot holes. Uh what are uh one of my biggest gripes about it is it took Lilu when she was watching the history of, of the world on her little DVD player or whatever. Mm-hmm. It took Lilu to the letter W 
to lose faith in humanity. <laughs> she passed so many things from A to V <laughs> that Genocide. I would have been like, oh, God. <laughs> Genocide. <laughs> Guns. Tanks. <laughs> every, Bombs. Everything. Bombs. You know. N- nuclear she, weapons. She yeah. passed. She got to W Holocaust. before she was like, hmm. <laughs> Well, I mean, my perspective, and I think we mentioned in the podcast, you know, one of mine was that whole trope of, and and this movie is full of sci-fi tropes that have been used either prior or definitely since then. You know, mm-hmm. it wants to be Blade Runner in some places so bad kind of thing. But the trope of I, everything I learned, I learned from television is in there, you know, because literally I think, I think it's twice, right? Doesn't she use... The, the video image to train herself on everything. Mm-hmm. Language, uh, interaction, Karate. all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and it's like, eh, yeah, that doesn't really work. But okay, sure, fine. Because she's the most incredible creature. Supreme uh, being. Perfect. Yeah, Supreme she's being. perfect. She's perfect. Yes, she's yeah. perfect. Keeps Tim, what's a pothole that sticks out to you? <laughs> oh, I don't Take know. your pick. Um... Brian James. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, he is so bad. But anyway, uh, I was thinking about maybe the scene where Bruce kind of shoves him in a closet. Maybe it's not a. Plot oh yeah, he's hole. frozen, and then he's not frozen. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, it seems like he was dead, yeah. Yeah. and he's it's not dead. Ridiculous. Then suddenly, I thought he was dead, but. I would have thought he was frozen and he would be dead. Yeah. But maybe they can freeze people then. I don't know. Yeah. Well, mine... But he cramps the three of them in there and they freeze. And I was like... Oh, I Another know. one of mine from a structure is the villain and the protagonist never meet. They never, ever meet. Oh, this. yeah. Not once. We talked about that before we got on the phone with you guys. Like, Tyler and I were talking about that. Like, the protagonist and antagonist nope. have zero interactions. You can, of course, argue that the conflict is... Ultimate good versus ultimate evil, big fiery, you know, right. ball of death, Lilo. whatever versus Lilo. the whatever. But still, mm-hmm. still, it's a little odd. Darth Vader would usually show up, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, in a scene with the lead or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's the elevator, right? That's the closest mm-hmm. they get. Is they just miss each other in the elevator in the hall, Bruce and I'm talking about. Car- yeah. Corbin and and Zorg, or Z- Zerg. Yeah, Zerg. he Zorg. walks back. He realizes that the stones are are not in the, right. the box that he leaves with, and he comes back onto the ship. And they've gone through one door, and he's walking past mm-hmm. that door. And that's the closest. I don't think I've ever seen that before or since, where the protagonist and the antagonist never meet. No. I think we talked about it. The fact that I couldn't think of one either. Neither could Tim. I don't. Uh, we talked about it recently um, in the fog. How Adrian Barbeau is the star of that movie. Oh, right. She only has a scene with her kid, and none of the other principals. Yep. That's right. Yeah. She never has. A, she never meets. But she does meet the fog, which is essentially the villain. She, mm-hmm. you yeah. Know. She sees some ghosts, <clears throat> and she has her kid. But everyone else in that movie, she never right. meets in person. Yeah. I I think I want to know that. Why is it that ultimate evil in this whole big universe where there's different planets and there's alien species and stuff, why is it Earth that's the one place that you're going to rather than I'm going to destroy the whole entire universe. I'm going straight to Earth. Um, 
and one, we're always sector zero zero one or whatever. You know, uh, the Borg have to go to Earth. Everybody has to go to Earth. You know, at the time it was probably Millie the. <laughs> yeah, so. probably. Um, how is it that the alien diva can fit those stones in her stomach? How did they get in there? How did that happen? Uh, that was my big question. Like, and what was the point of that? What the priest just thought that would be a good idea? You know, I mean, I how'd they get them in there? I look. How'd back, they get them out? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I look. Or how would they? How would they have gotten them out had she not been shot? Would she have said, excuse me, I've got to go to the restroom for just about That's an hour exactly and a half? That's exactly what I said on our podcast. I was like, she's looking for a bathroom? Yeah. I, I mean, how would... So that plot didn't work for me because it's kind of dependent on she must be killed and we must cut this out of her, you know, somehow mm-hmm. kind of thing. And what was... Really, that's the point? That's that's your hiding place? I mean, I kind of thought mm-hmm. about it as Luke loves... Because his wife was an opera singer. And mm-hmm. his wife was the blue. Right. Alien. So the, I have to time, write at the, time, at the time. At the time. And you know, since then he's done several movies, you know, like two movies with uh Mila. So maybe mm-hmm. he has to have, you know, his love interest in his movies. Oh, I need an opera scene in this. So I'm gonna write this whole thing about the blue opera diva. Um Yeah. But I had heard I had heard that she she only got that part because somebody quit. Yeah, the original okay. actress uh, dropped out, so she got it. Okay. But that is arguably one of the most iconic scenes in the whole movie. Though. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah, but filmmaking trick, want to know why? Because he did not let anybody else. It's kind of like the alien thing where you come in as an actor and suddenly all the cameras are covered in plastic and the crew is wearing rain bonnets and, and you're going, what? <laughs> We're supposed to be doing the the scene with the alien today what's happening and you didn't know that we're going to squirt blood all over everybody and have a chest burster and mm-hmm. all this kind of thing they didn't let anybody in the cast see her mm-hmm. or hear her mm-hmm. before that right. scene so all a lot of those reactions especially i mean bruce has been interviewed saying my reaction was real i went real yeah. damn she's good yeah you know? he was really so, in wonder yeah so and uh Muschietti did the same thing with uh uh, Skarsgård for it. Oh, okay. He wouldn't let yeah. he wouldn't let the kids any, meet him, see him until that first scene yeah. where they meet him. So all that was truly reactions. And they were terrified. That's another reason too, Josh. Guilty pleasure. I'm normally you know opera. Not really. I like some opera, but not a lot. Mostly I don't. But mm. I like that scene and I like that song and I love the fact that it suddenly goes converts to this kind of '90s pop. Kind of mm-hmm. and, and bebop song. The the fight sequence with Lee Lu yeah. matches up with it. I love it. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> so what are, you know, plot holes aside, what are David, what are some of your, your favorite moments? Almost anything with Oldman. I think he's great in this, even though and we just talked about, you know, chewing the scenery or being over the top, he is in this. Who would have who would have thought I'm going to pick this accent to go with this character in this way? The southern and tycoon capitalist. Yeah, the yeah, su- yeah. Um, Billy Bob Zorg, you know, kind of thing. And but it works and gives him this really menace. We don't know. It, 
it's kind of like if they'll buy this voice in the first two sentences, then anything I do will surprise them. It will be, mm-hmm. it will throw people off, you know, the desk stuff and all that. Uh, but I think any, any scene with, was, was, is Zorg, yeah, right? Zorg. Zorg. Mm-hmm. Zorg. Because I keep getting mixed up with Zerg. That's who Buzz Lightyear. Like, That's Toy Story. That's yeah. Toy Story. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I love the pacing and the overall work on the flotsam scenes. So once they're on mm-hmm. the cruise ship, I like all the, the pacing, timing. Even though, you know, again, typical movie. Oh, you program the bomb for 10 freaking seconds. It's been like 35 already. And we're yeah. still counting down, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... For me, the the final scene. I loved the puzzle. I mean, it felt like I was playing a game in that last mm. scene of, oh, the elements. Yes, it's the elements. Get the elements. Somehow you're doing it. You know, and he does the sweat. And, you know, we've got the one match left. You know, all of that. I have no fire. I have, is, no, is, I have no matches. I have no fire. <laughs> Coven, I have no matter. Coven, Coven, Coven. <laughs> Coven, my man. Coven, my man. <laughs> Tim, what about you? What are some of your favorite moments? Uh, anything with Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been a Bruce Willis fan for a very long time. I mean, I was a Moonlighting watcher mm-hmm. because of him. And then Die Hard hit, and I was like, sold. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> now, now I know that he has done some crappy movies, and a lot of them now I haven't even seen because he's done so many. But um, this was kind of in his prime, mm-hmm. or, or, or at the end of mm-hmm. his prime, maybe. Because he really hit eighty seven with that yeah. kind of thing. Was was Unbreakable after that? Yes. What year? Yeah, uh, no, I don't know because Unbreakable was after the Sixth Sense, obviously. But yep. I, and that was nineteen ninety nine. So yeah, yeah, it would have been after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was 97. And Looper, you know, Looper was 90s too. And he's good in that, regardless of the direction of that whole movie. Right. Bruce Willis is great. Uh, same movie. with 12 Monkeys. He's fantastic. In tw- yep. And Pulp Fiction. He's fantastic in Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction too. Oh, yeah. 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 So I've just always liked him. He's he's kind of a, a Brando-esque, you know. Yeah. Or, or even a Jack Nicholson, where they don't really change that much from movie to movie, but they're still magnetic. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a star that, but also had acting chops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, kind of like Brando was, Comedic in my opinion. Chops. Brando was a star who had chops. He could do comedy. He could do all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, Bruce was Bruce was really good. And sad that to hear that you know he's retired now for the reasons he's retired. Right, right. Yeah. I hate that. God, yeah. yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but think... you know, Mila Mila in this is good too. Oh, she's and great. I hate her in the freaking Resident <laughs> Evil movies, but she's good in this. Especially to be so young, she was like 19, yeah. 20 mm-hmm. years old. And that language, you know. I mean, <laughs> she, yeah, that's... she convinced me that she knew what she was saying. <laughs> Doing research for that, I found out, oh, sure, I guess it was easy for her because she speaks four languages. Oh, uh, yeah. She's European. Yeah. That's norm. I watched uh, an interview that she did with Vogue. It was actually fairly recent where she talks exclusively just about the fifth element and that some of the direction given to her was don't take a breath before you speak like normal people say okay so here's what i have to say it was just bah, 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 bah. and so i, <laughs> and I don't that. hyperventilate yeah. <laughs> try not to mm-hmm. yeah. uh one one I, I never thought that you know in home would at the time become what in home became for a lot of nerds um because you know he mm-hmm. became bilbo uh, not too far after this, mm-hmm. 
Um, and hey, this was Ash. He was Ash to me. Well, yeah, so he was Ash. You know, that was Ash is yeah. a robot. He was Ash from the alien. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but uh, you know, he became Bilbo, and he was in uh, uh, the Jack mm-hmm. the Ripper movie with Johnny Depp. Uh, so Ian Holm, I, I think his career is not talked about enough. I mean, I think Ian Holm is no. just a fantastic actor, uh, and and everything. He oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, the movie could suck. Ian Holm and John Hurt both, I always mm-hmm. equate them kind of together in that same I always equated him with Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins, yeah. too. Um, yep. Ian Holm and Bob Hoskins even look alike to me sometimes. Yeah, I can and, see and, that. And Hoskins has a lot of that same quality of like, the movie could suck, but Bob delivers mm-hmm. every time. Ian Holm delivers every time, even if he's in a crappy movie, which... He's always been pretty selective as an actor. He's not really had many crappy movies. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is the one that he has uh, with Gary Oldman where he's choking mm-hmm. on the cherry and he's yep. like, oh, yep. where are all your little robots now? You know, and he pats him on the back and saves him. Yeah. It's a great mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he can do the comedy and, and it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing you said about Bruce. Bruce can do that big, intense drama scene. He can do the 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 romantic part, but he can also do the comedy. The romance, you know? yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. He can make you believe anything. The cast, the cast oh, in yeah. general for this is really strong. I mean, with the exception of like Brian James. <laughs> I was going to say, where are you going here? Well, and and who's the president? Who's the president? Debo. It's, yeah. Uh, Debo from, from Friday. Uh, List uh, Tommy Lister. Tommy Lister. Yeah. <laughs> I know him, I know him as Debo, and I know him from Zeus from the WWF. He was a wrestler in real life. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. see. Okay, there you go. He was also in. Uh, we talked about. He was also in Little Nicky mm-hmm. and yeah. The Dark Knight. He was in The Dark Knight. Yeah. He was on the boat. He was the the convict that threw the detonator out. Ah, in Dark Knight. And, well, and Chris Tucker. Yeah. Chris Tucker's great in this. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this was his prime, right? Hadn't he done? I mean, this was when he was doing everything, and then suddenly he stopped. Yes. And we had to mm-hmm. get... Who's the other new little guy? Kevin... Kevin Hart. Hart. Yeah, he's the Kevin new Chris Tucker. Yeah. This was right mm-hmm. before Rush Hour took off. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was post-Friday, yep. pre-Rush Hour. Yeah. So his prime, like Chris Tucker was in his prime during this movie. Yeah. You had a he's lot of people... from my hometown, actually. Really? Yeah, he's from I think Shambly, Georgia. Well, he he's from Atlanta, Georgia, and um, my nephews went to college, uh, high school with him. Oh, cool. Yeah, but I think awesome. Basson yeah. may be giving them all the 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 luxury of an actor to just do it, to just go however yeah. you want to go. Even Lister with the cockroach, and I mean, or anything. I mean, just letting them go as far as they can possibly go, and and have I may fun be jumping with ahead it, here. This may be thing. one of the keys that that we mentioned later but did you all know that uh originally uh chris tucker's role ruby rod was offered to prince yes mm-hmm. and prince was mm-hmm. like oh, i don't know these outfits are too feminine for me which blows <laughs> me away that prince would say that yeah uh, um michael jackson was another one that yep um, they considered mm-hmm. but uh, i think that Chris Neither Tucker one had, dr- one had one drawn act. from Michael Jackson for the for the for the part. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, right. which makes a definitely. lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, we can uh, go ahead and dive into something that I, I love that you all do uh, in your show is the cast, the way you all break down the cast. Uh, so, Tim, you want to? Um, I can. Um, basically, I'll start just from 
low or high to low. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've got Bruce who plays Corbin Dallas. Um, he was not originally who Basson had envisioned. Um, it was originally Jean Renault, mm. uh, as you know from Leon, the professional. Leon, yeah. Mm. Well, who yeah. he had just or worked Leon, with, because that was that. that was the movie they had done, I think, prior to this. Because and that was um, uh, to, 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 uh, uh, her, her start. That was what's her name's first movie. Um, Mila. No, uh, the professional. Um, had, oh, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. She went on to be, you know, Anakin's uh, girlfriend. Natalie Portman. Um, Portman. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Portman. That was her first oh. movie. Did you hear anything uh, about Mel Gibson being considered for Corbin Dallas? I did. Yeah, he was considered. And about that time was when he was really <laughs> um, big. I mean, because that was around the time of Braveheart, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This so, was before he, the, the, the stop by the police incident, right? Or whatever? Yes. Yeah, okay. yes, uh, yeah about okay. 20, a good 20 or so years, for sure. Okay. Um, Bruce was um, initially reluctant when approached <clears throat> because of movies like Hudson Hawk and Billy Batgate, which have really uh, <laughs> not done him any favors. Uh, and yeah. Luke happened to be in Barry Josephine's office when Willis had called regarding a different movie. And he asked to speak to him. And he explained that they had decided to go with a lesser expensive actor. And apparently there was a little bit of a pause when Bruce said, you know, I think we can negotiate. <laughs> I think we so, can make this work. Yeah. So he agreed to take the role after reading the script. So he took it for a discount rate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Gary Oldman, um, as you've already mentioned, <laughs> the only reason he did this movie it's because he's friends with Basson, and he owed him one for financing a different movie that he was in. So he took the offer without reading the script at all. And uh, when he was asked in an interview in, uh, a few years later if he liked it, he said, oh, no, I can't bear it. Um, mm -hmm. That was me singing for my supper because of financing Luke had done for another film of his. So, yeah, so it, was a film like Gary. it was actually a film that Gary directed. He directed movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's called Nil by Mouth. Yep. I've never heard of it or seen it. But I haven't seen it. Yeah. yeah. The thing about Gary Oldman that shocks me is in his illustrious, amazing career and the amazing performances that he's given us, he's never won an Oscar. No. Not yet. We'll see. Not yet. Yeah. Has he not? He's still I got thought time. he had. No, he's been nominated, I think, for two, but he's never won. Uh, okay. Despite being just... I mean, he's an actor's actor. Everything he is mm -hmm. in is great. You know, uh, 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 for for Halloween, uh, you know, for October, we're going to show Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, at the Capitol. Oh. And I love that movie, and I love his performance in it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, this movie, despite the fact that he hated it, like we talked earlier, I mean, he, he made choices, and we latched on to the choices he made in every scene he's in. Oh, yeah. He's in he's in Hannibal and you don't even know it's him until the credits. Oh that yeah, he's playing the mutilated face guy. I mean, serious black everything he does. Yeah, something that stood out to me watching it this morning. It's one of the scenes where he's on the phone and he's like, "I am disappointed." He's got one eye that's just twitching like crazy. Just you go twitching. Back and watch it. <laughs> one. Just, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I was like, "Wow." <laughs> I can't. I could have sworn he had won one. No, I don't think. So. Oh yeah, he won for the Darkest Hour. Oh Did yeah, he? Churchill. That's he right. Did play Churchill. Mm -hmm. Yep. I thought okay. he had won one. You're right, Tim. 
We stand yeah, corrected, there, too. There are two Oscar winners in this movie. He has won one, and Ian Holm has won one. But I forgot to look up what Ian won one. That's, that's mm. interesting. Because he's a goddamn robot. He's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't have anything for uh, Ian Holm. I mean, we've already talked about it as far as what he's played, but I don't really, I don't have a lot of, a lot of times when we do casting, I have alternatives that, you know, could have been in that part, and I don't have anything for him other than the fact that I love him in Alien. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spewing milk. So good. Mila, on the other hand, Jovovich, who I have trouble saying her name, um, do you guys know who was considered for her? And it's perfect if you consider the timing. Because she was considered for everything. Uh, 1997. Uma Thurman. No, but good guess. Cameron Diaz. Julia Roberts. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean... She... Would have been so <laughs> different. You know what, though? I could see her doing it. Because she has kind of an alien look to her. She's very thin and, and, and pretty, <laughs> but odd looking at the same time. So... Um, I can also tell you someone who auditioned but didn't get it. <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was right after Showgirls, and nobody would hire her. So yeah, well, she didn't get it. That yeah. Wow. And then over three thousand women supposedly auditioned for this role, but Mila yeah. got it, and I'm assuming that's because of her connections with Luke. Yes. Somehow. Yeah, I have that in my notes that three thousand women auditioned for, for Leilu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah, that's that's and international too. He looked at French actresses. He looked at a lot. So right, right, because it is a French production. It's like the most expensive production in France to date, mm-hmm. or at least at the time. Yeah. 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 Um, at the time, it was the most expensive. Uh, Anything outside of Hollywood. Mm. Yeah. Independent film or international film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Ruby Rod, you know, obviously Chris Tucker played him, but Prince and Michael Jackson, as you said, were inspiration for him. And, and both were even considered with Prince being the first choice. But as you said, that didn't happen. Um, but someone else was considered. And it was a little bit before he got really popular. And um, it was Jamie Foxx. Hmm. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I think he could have too, sure. but he at the time he was really just doing In Living Color. I don't remember. I mean, it was long before Ray or any of those other movies where mm-hmm. he started getting Oscar clout. So, uh, side note Have you seen Jamie Foxx's Trump impression? No. <laughs> no. It is incredible. <laughs> when we get done, you got to look it up. Okay. It is amazing. One of the best ones I've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> okay. It's unbelievable. I was going to say, couldn't one of the weigh-ins have done that part too? They were at the same time, right? It was all living color. That was all weigh-ins. Uh, any of those weigh-in brothers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Damon or the other one. Yeah, either one of them. Marlon. You know. Yeah. Marlon. Yep. There's a little bit um, after Earth Girls are easy, maybe. Which one oh. was Major Pain? Marlon. Yep. Moving on, Luke Perry's in this movie. <laughs> yes, he is. He, he got like six billing, and I was only in like a couple of scenes. And I was yeah. wondering about that. Very, he has less than I don't know sixty lines, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't. He doesn't have a lot. Oh, yeah, probably yeah. ten. Yeah, it's not many. Uh, yeah, maybe it's just it the first six. scene, right? Yeah, yeah. prologue. Yeah. The prologue. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he was really popular at the time. He was coming off nine or two one zero, but. Uh, 
I, I don't know what the logic was there. If he just wanted to be in it because he was a fan, or if they paid him a lot, or I don't know. But he's in it. Uh, Brian James, <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum <laughs> here, um, he played General Monroe, and there was another person considered for this role. And it makes perfect sense if you consider the timing, but not really the fact that it's a small role. Um, and it was Kevin Costner. Yeah, Kevin Costner was considered for this role. And they, he probably just looked at him and went, are you fucking kidding me? No. <laughs> because it's a, not a big role. It's not a good role, really, when you think about it. So like I just did Field of Dreams. Do you really think that? I'm... Are you going to really stick <laughs> right. me in the closet and freeze me? No. <laughs> so, um, who? All right, we mentioned Tom Lister, Lee Evans. I don't have any on those guys. Um, one of the ones that's my favorite to mention is briefly in the movie too, and it's John Neville, who plays yeah. General Statert early on mm -hmm. in the film. Um, uh, if y'all don't know, he was Baron von Munchausen in the Terry Gilliam Baron film, Munchausen. as well yep. as the well manicured man from the X Files, mm -hmm. which he is wonderful in. Mm -hmm. If this, um, well, I'm just a big X Files fan. Is he the is he the guy that has the black ooze coming down at his head? Nah. At the beginning, no, that's Zerg. Zorg. No, uh, no, there. It at the beginning, twice. it's the general that's uh, trying to attack oh. the planet. Then when they fire yeah. the missiles into it, oh. and then he has the... Yep. Maybe? Yep. That's him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. It that's is him. him? Okay. Mm -hmm. Sorry. That's a, that's another thing that's never explained. Why do they have black ooze draining out when of their the evil gets top of their mad. heads when they're talking to the great evil? I probably looked away from the screen because I was like, oh my God, John Neville's in this movie. Why do you think you can put a net... Why do you think you can put a net and stop an intergalactic evil planetoid force, too? That was weird. It's a space, guys. Just go around it. What is this, Star Trek logic? Come on. You know, uh, yeah. You know, if, the, if this movie were done today, I can already tell you that Terry Crews would have been the president. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't think it could have been done today. There wouldn't, there's not enough innocence to have done this today. You know what Lilu, mm -mm. what Lilu brings to it is this kind of innocence, this this naivete mm. that is part of the charm of her and part of the attraction to Corbin and everything else. And I don't know if we could preserve that today. Terry mm -hmm. Crews played the president in Idiocracy, and I don't think he can top oh, that one. Yeah, so. no. Uh, I just realized Julia Roberts was too busy playing Tinkerbell. That's why she wasn't in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This was Hook. <laughs> it worked out for the best. Clava Laguna was played by Luke Besson's wife. She was actually his fiance at the time. I guess they got married later. And uh, she took the role after the original actress didn't show up. <laughs> yeah. Didn't show up. Just changed didn't show up. Um, yep. And then lastly, and I don't know that I buy this. I found this on IMDb. It says if you listen to Finger's voice carefully, you will see that it is sometimes yes. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, yep. Is it? That is, yeah, that that is true. Okay. Vin Diesel, it does that voiceover. Of Finger. So he was doing voiceovers long before Marvel movies, I guess. That's weird. Whoa. I didn't know that. This was before Fast and Furious, right? Wasn't it? Well, I mean, this movie came out back when he was still doing stuff like Pitch Black, right? It was before he was huge. Uh, yeah, it had this to be was before, before that. that too, wasn't it? I mean, and when was the Iron Giant? He was the Iron Giant. Oh, he was. I didn't know that. 
Okay, I did not know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Superman. Pitch Black was 2000. So Pitch Black came out after this movie. I didn't know who Vin Diesel was till Pitch Black. I didn't Same. either. So. Wow. N- nor, nor since, really. No, just kidding. But anyway, that's but, what I have uh, yeah. for casting. So. We haven't talked about the, the meth head that knocks on Bruce Willis's door. It's like, give me the cash. Give me the cash. Um, I thought that was a big plot hole. Why did they accidentally go there? Yeah. Why, well, why did, you know, I know why he. I mean, that was a big. Yeah, he was ready to be arrested. He had his hands up against the wall, and they go to the wrong door. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Smoke yeah. you, he said. <laughs> oh, and they talked to uh, 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 Chris Tucker's character always says green. Are we green? Is this green? Oh, yeah, that's the slang. Yeah, that's more yeah, of that world building it. for you. Give me the cash. Give me the Give cash. Me the cash. Give, me the- <laughs> Give me the cash. Oh, you like it? Yeah, meth head. Yeah, whatever. Or whatever he was on. Yeah. Like I said, why did they go to his apartment instead of Corbin's? I, I don't know. I mean, there was no explanation for nope. that at all. He changed. Uh, he did something with the tag on his door. Is, I, I was wondering. Thing. They focused on that tag, but they never yeah. showed him doing it, did they? Yeah. And they didn't show him doing it. I don't it. think just, so. Okay. No. Somebody moved the tag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reasons. Right after he froze everybody in a closet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you have for awards? What awards for this? Oh, um, well, y'all were talking about how it's not an Academy Award nominated movie, but it actually is. <laughs> um, it was awarded, uh, or it was nominated for Best Effects and Sound Effects Editing. Oh, wow. Uh, in the U.S., it did not win. However, in England, with the equivalent BAFTAs, it did win special effects. Wow. Mm. So this movie won a pretty prestigious award in England. The only other awards I of note that I put down were the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. They do the Saturn Awards, and it was nominated for four. Best mm. Science Fiction Film, uh, Supporting Actors with Mila, Costumes with Gautier, and Effects. Wow. So, this, but it did not win. This came out the same time as uh, Titanic and Goodwill Hunting, so they sort of swept everything. Mm. Yeah. Oh, in those in the major awards, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But in the even in the uh, Saturn awards, they didn't get anything. They were just nominated. Uh, hmm. But that's that's all I have as far as that. Another plus of this movie is the music. I think it's underrated a lot more so. I, I like the music. The same uh, composer as uh, Goldeneye, I believe. Yes. As well, as a matter of fact, it's got some of the same stings, I think, as Goldeneye. You can listen to entire sequences of, of at least a few bars or a few minutes of music, and I'm going, that's the same cut as Goldeneye. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, if you're same composer, you can, because someone uh, saw something recently uh, where a lot of the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff mm-hmm. uh, is very similar to The Mask of Zorro. That's Alan Silvestri, Antonio right? Banderas. But it's the same guy. Yeah. I mean, he can pull from his own stuff. It's not like he stole. Yeah, but you don't want to use yours. you know you don't want to use the same thematics in a different movie. Well, John Williams does it. John Williams. <laughs> no, that's what I was. He does not. <laughs> his style is so similar. Like you could pick it out. His style, yes, is very similar. It's very. What's well, like we used to say? Oh, you know, if it's got a French horn melody, then John Williams wrote it. But you could say the same thing about what's the Oingo Bongo guy. I mean, all this music Danny sounds, Elfman. This, Danny Elfman's music <laughs> sounds the same. Mm-hmm. When is the last time you saw Superman? It sounds like Star Wars. 
you know. Danny Elfman has the waltz, uh, the waltz timing and yep. everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, Howard Shore, you know, I, he it, does look, too. All the Lord of the Rings music mm-hmm. sounds the same as. He's got the heavy brass and the the ethereal uh-huh. vocals yep. in the background. So they yeah. all have their distinctive things about it. Uh, but yeah. I do think the music in this is really good. And I, I forgot, I didn't take a note of who actually did it, but it's really good. And it's the same guy did Goldeneye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so the thing that's driving force at your podcast is keys. And as you explained mm-hmm. them, they are key ele- elements. And uh, it's, it's my favorite thing that y'all do because it is, it is so eye-opening in your all's episodes where you'll when you're breaking down the keys you're like i don't think you'd have this without this previously or this definitely went to drive down the future and it's very like six degrees of kevin bacon type type reaction like oh wow <laughs> oh that's a good that's a good analogy yeah. i never really thought of that. so what are some of the keys that you uh you pulled from or you got from this movie I think the two biggest ones, if you think of what influenced, you know, Josh, like you said, he really started writing the script when he was like 16. And he was that mm-hmm. uh, loner geek in his town who was by himself a lot, nobody to talk to, no friends, that kind of stuff, and started writing this. He was heavily influenced by Mobius, who was doing um, graphics at the time for uh, heavy metal a comic novel and comic book uh, that's, mm-hmm. and you can see that. And Mobius also was really big in early 70s design in that he helped design Blade Runner. He helped design parts of Alien, the spacesuits in Alien, those big ones with the steam coming out and all that. So he was a huge key influence on the design aesthetic with this, which is something we've said we all like about this movie. Uh, the floating cars, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff is is very Mobius. Uh, the uh, the uh, the alien race at the beginning, the protector guys, the ones with little funny heads. Uh, the robots. The Shawans. Sh- yeah, Mon- more uh, Shawans yeah. or whatever. That's very Mobius. Yeah. You know the way they waddle and walk and all of that. It, it's very hint. All of those actors uh, had to be like uh, six foot eight to to mm-hmm. be in those suits. Uh, but I mean, and I think we mentioned on the podcast when we did it, another key like that is Henson. You know, it's a very Henson type sure. Muppety sort of feel to that design, yeah. dark crystal, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, totally. Um, so yeah, uh, Mobius. Um, did you Blade Runner? When, when you were mentioning Mobius, and this is just me delving into curiosity, was Mobius affiliated with Bakshi? Did mm. they do those movies no. together, like Wizards and Heavy Metal? No. He was probably the Bakshi equivalent, only French. Okay. Uh, so, so, um, and there's also a big key that I don't even think we mentioned on the podcast, but it came to me when I watched it this time, which is the movie Heavy Metal That's what I'm has about. a scene yeah. in it that is by Mobius, which is about a cab driver who encounters the alien orb. Wow. Uh, that's and, a direct key. And, it is so keyed to to this movie, um, and I didn't even look up when it came. I don't out. even I think, think it we came didn't out talk after. about that on our podcast. What's wrong with that? <clears throat> no, I don't. Well, I, because it occurred to me this okay. time, I went, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. And Mobius actually even did that freaking animation. Um, I can't remember the actual. I, I need to look up that particular key, but he's definitely. It's definitely in heavy. Yeah, metal. whenever you mention um, the heavy metal comic book, I just immediately think of the movie, and that's Bakshi. I'm pretty sure, right? 
Isn't that Ralph Bakshi? No. No? Mm, no. Uh, I don't oh, think I so. Oh, I thought it was. Uh, no, because it's a combination of artists. It's all held together by a bunch of different artists. Um, no, the director, actually, of Heavy Metal is Gerard Patterson, uh, Potterton with John Bruno and John right. Hallis. Yeah, he did Wizards so, you and know. Lord of the Rings, um, the animated yeah. version. Actually did. Dan O'Bannon was a huge influence on Heavy Metal. And that's where we get the whole link to back to Alien and everything Dan else. Is Dan O'Bannon is, is kind of a key in himself <laughs> to lots of great things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have that many keys. I was thinking, uh, like I said earlier, it reminds me a lot of Star Wars because of the aliens and, and, and being thrust into a world without having any explanation about what's going on. Uh, and it also reminds me of Jim Henson because of the Mang Mangalores. Is that what you call them? Mm -hmm. Mangalores. The, uh, they, they look very puppet-like. They also remind me of those rhino-type mm -hmm. creatures that are in the Star Wars universe. Well, the Mangalores are different. They're the ones with the big weapon. Oh. And they're the ones that are chasing everybody at flocks. Well, no, I'm talking about the enemy. prison or I'm whatever. I'm talking about the good guys. I'm talking about the bad guys. What are they yeah. called? Yeah, I'm too. Mangalores. The bad guys. Okay. The Mangalores. Uh, and they're yeah, they're very Star Wars. They look like those those uh, two rhino type creatures in the Mandalorian, or is it Boba Fett? I think it's Boba Fett. Are you talking yeah. about the pig-looking yeah. guys? Yeah, the pig-looking ones. I said rhinoceros, but I meant from, pig, yes. They're from uh, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> You're talking about the okay. Gamoran guards. Gamorians. They're okay, Jabba. that's yeah. what they remind me of. That yeah. looks, that's a very Star mm -hmm. Wars element to me. Well, and yeah. Josh, Josh, you may know while we're there on Star Wars real quick, uh, the, the the opera singer, her design with the tentacle head and everything else kind of mm -hmm. reminds me of Star yeah. Wars. It's based off of Twilight. It reminds me uh, of... Twilight, Osaka, like, uh, or whoever that. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, well, no, Jabba's Jabba's slave Bib, girl before uh, Leia, and Bib Fortuna. Yeah. The guy that Luke takes Luke in yeah. to see Jabba. Twilek is their species. Twi okay. Yes. Yeah. See, you knew that. Twi you knew. See, you knew that. That's good, geek. Uh, That's you're talking. Good, yeah. uh, what is that woman? Uh, I can't think of my name. That. Uh, well, Ahsoka Tana is similar to that because she has the. Are you talking about the the blue Jedi in the prequels? The, the yes. girl from Rent. Yeah, she. I just yeah. watched her in Daredevil. Oh, that's Ahsoka. Yeah. Yeah. Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Yeah. Exactly what I was trying to think of. Um, but back to the Star Wars thing, um, we, I mentioned that. But the animatronic mechanisms used for the Mangalore mask were actually recycled for Nemodians in Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. So there's yeah, yeah. Like, like an effects key of some sort. The yeah. uh, guys from the uh, prequels that one could argue were a little bit racist. The uh, I'm not going in there with two guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the um, the the I was just gonna say the only other key I have is that, and I don't read science fiction. David would know this better than me. But Terry Pratchett is a name I recognize because I used to work for Borders. Uh, spoofed the title of this movie in one of his Discworld or her, is it he, she? Discworld novels, uh, The Fifth Elephant. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny because Terry Pratchett's a pretty big writer in the sci-fi world. Okay, I have a few. I have a few keys. So, still on the Star Wars thing, the whole opening with Corbin and the city and everything else is very Coruscant mm -hmm. to me. 
sure. You know, the flying cars in the different lanes and everything else. That's very Curaçao. Um, the opera singer I've got. Uh, 2001. Uh, the stewardesses, their design, that kind of roundish helmet and the way they're kind they're of Pan Am. The, uh, in the unitard kind of thing. That's Pan Am from 2001 <laughs> mm -hmm. when he's flying to, to the moon. Um, uh, alien, not only in... Uh, the, the biggest alien reference to me is Z Zorg bleeding mm -hmm. with whatever the chocolate evil was or whatever. Chocolate evil. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the whole time that was happening. was very much... Was like, What's going on? Yeah, it, it, I, yeah, and it, but I had the exact same reaction in Alien when suddenly Ash starts bleeding milk, yeah. and you're going, "What is going yeah, yeah. on? This is weird." And they don't explain it; they just go, "This is what he is," you know, kind of thing. Bad hair um, total Recall. There's a lot of Total Recall to this too. The feel of it, the design. Again, I think Total Recall was extremely Verhoeven was very mm -hmm. influenced by this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, and same thing with RoboCop. Yes. Um, you know, RoboCop, I mean, the mask design of the cops and all of that kind of stuff. The only thing is, is that those movies came out first. Mm -hmm. Both of those movies Correct. came out before this. So they mm -hmm. probably influenced this instead of vice versa. Uh, Tim, you had mentioned on the original podcast um, Metropolis and the whole feel right. of this big, you know, everything in this is like pseudo totalitarian but not yes um kind of feel well, to and it. visually and with visually, the city being yeah. so tall and all the um skyway mm -hmm. traffic that that you've got that in um, metropolis as well it's a little less traffic but you still have the skyway yeah. stuff going on there's also an aesthetic feel in this of stargate you know of that whole the huge ship at the beginning the, like yeah the, and the desert yeah. and all that stuff it's yeah the raiders of the lost ark thing mm -hmm. yeah Oh, one I, that I I thought of was, uh, you know, you talked about the totalitarian, you know, military type stuff is Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like it's it's even in the future, it's military ran. It's the great yeah. power. It's it's one sole warship power, like running Earth. Yep. Yeah. As opposed to you know, even though they call him the president, it's very. Military. Militaristic, yeah, in uniform yeah. and everything. Also, you know, they've mm -hmm. got guns the size of their upper torsos kind of mm -hmm. thing. It's these massive well, I mean, all weapons. they needed was a shower scene. They yeah. would have been Starship <laughs> Hey, I mean, Tim. It's full of pretty people, and so is the fifth element, you know. That's true. That'd be yeah. good for the remake. They could do a shower scene <laughs> at McDonald's. That with, a hey, <laughs> with a Mangalore. <laughs> um, uh, you had said, Tim, also... Uh, that Zorg kind of reminds you of Ming, Ming the Merciless. Ming so, the Merciless from from Flash Gordon. And yeah, I wondered if sure. okay. if Gary yeah. Oldman had you know thought of that of him being you know with the little the way his mustache is or whatever that is whatever the the thing is under his chin or whatever. Well, here's something I remember is that Gary modeled his performance after Ross Perot, who was a political candidate <laughs> at the time, Ross and Bugs Bunny. I and could see I, that. I said I in our podcast, he sounds more like Foghorn Leghorn than Bugs Bunny. Yes, oh, God. that's true. But, but I could definitely see the Ross, uh, Ross Perot. Ross Perot, for sure. Yeah. yeah. The only reason I know who Ross Perot is, because obviously I wasn't very political in the 90s, mm. is SNL. Oh, yeah. 
He was a good. Uh, Dana Carvey did it. Dana, Dana Carvey did. Carvey did. Yeah. yeah. Rash, that Rash, nice, nice little thing. Now, look, look, go, go and do a little vote. No, that was the vote. Bush impersonation you're doing. And that was Dana Carvey, too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. he did Ross Perot. I can't. It was, I don't know. It was obnoxious. <laughs> Very <laughs> I can't obnoxious. Do it. <laughs> um, um, I'm glad you're reminding me of my keys because I've obviously <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> well, it has been a few years since we did it, but I did remember the Ross Perot thing. But that, well, and I, I think know, that's really you key. know you can't say a key to this is not Die Hard because yeah, yeah, it's especially the whole action hero Bruce Willis, action hero Bruce diving off the balcony while it explodes. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, it's very With blonde hair. Yeah, it's very, it's very, uh, that's totally very unlikely. Die Hard, very Die Hard. Um. And I've got a key for the ending, which is James Bond. That whole ending with Definitely. them having sex in the tube is, and everybody watching is so out of James Bond. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a mm-hmm. Bond ending sort of thing. Re-entry. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, he's attempting Absolutely re-entry. Is. Yeah, is the yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one of the unknown facts that I have, uh, which I had a list, but we've we've hit them throughout the episode Hmm. uh one that we uh uh kind of hinted to is uh the the divine language that lilu speaks Mm -hmm. uh that was completely created by uh luke besson Mm -hmm. and uh mila and then they got they got so in depth with it that the cast and crew would speak it to each other (laughs) on the set that they would get so fluent instead of saying things in english like could you get me a coffee they would be caught speaking in the divine language to one another. Kind of like in Lord of the Rings, people were speaking Elven on set yep. after they learned what certain Elven words meant. Like They said that Orlando Bloom would just go around asking for things in Elven. Well, and I've heard the same thing about Dothraki from uh, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones and House of Dragons. That uh, mm-hmm. you know, even um, uh, even Damon now, you know, in interviews talks, uh, you know, can can remember all of his his uh, his Valyrian, his high Valyrian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. not doing that. Just bring me a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Where's craft services? Yeah, give <laughs> <Hit> me crafty, <laughs> gentlemen. This has been fantastic. It has I enjoyed it. Yeah. This is the first time you both have been on with us. Mm-hmm. You've you've individually come on at times. Tim, you talked about your book. David, you talked about Evil Dead. Yep. Um, so it's 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 great having you. Uh, I know that David, we've bounced the idea off uh, one each other's heads a couple of times to do a radio show. Yeah. Kind of as a as a partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Johnny has the keys and thirty and nerdy radio show. You know, a script or something. Uh, and I hope we do that. I really do. Whether it's horror or a Christmas show or, or War of the Worlds, whatever, yeah. it, it'd be, it'd be great. I think it'd be fun too because all four of us come from an acting background. So we mm-hmm. we we are all performers. We're all writers to some extent. We're all and we all you know we have these podcasts and we've had you on Johnny, but we haven't had Josh on Johnny. So we'll either have mm-hmm. to get Josh on or get both of you guys on Johnny as well too. Absolutely. And share all that. of our expansive followers. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Because at the end of the day, that's that's like you said earlier. The great thing about this podcast is helping one another and, mm-hmm. and sharing each other's stuff, and, and yeah, it, everybody benefits. Yep from from the growth. 
So, and even though you have faced the great evil here at Thirty and Nerdy, you've not had a Rudy Giuliani moment and had the leaking down your face. So, there you really, <laughs> there's a key. There's a key. That's a key. That's awesome. That That's a, a key. key. He had evil <laughs> leaking down key. his face. We should have known then. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's, That's better than that um, Ash and Alien. Yeah, yeah. That is a great <laughs> it's even the same color. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you guys for having us. Uh, we've enjoyed it. We appreciate you, and uh, yep. we hope to see yeah. you again soon. It's been real. Bye, bye, guys. Bye. Two dudes who met back in college Nobody loved pop culture more So they started a podcast to talk all about it And 30 and Nerdy was born Oh, 30 and Nerdy was born You might hear them chat about shows like The Witcher Or movies like Lord of the Rings and if Josh has to choose, he is loyal to Marvel, while Tyler goes more for DC. Yes, Tyler goes more for DC. Now come, come, one and all, nerd up or shut up, just answer the call to be part of our journey into magical worlds. Join us and cheers to ya nerds Join us and cheers to ya nerds